A man rolls over in bed, the dawn light tipping him off to the morning. He stretches his arms high over his head, extending the tips of his toes to stretch his legs, during which he yawns deeply, resonantly. This sound is enough to bring the first of his servants in through the door. They go through their normal morning routine together. The master swings his legs out of bed and into his favorite rope-soled slippers. His house cloak goes round his shoulders as he leisurely ties the belt. Then he's handed a cool, wet washcloth with which he dabs his face. And for good measure, the servant mists him with a little of his favorite fragrance. Then it's through the passageway out to the inner courtyard. The table there is already set with his usual breakfast. He sits on the sunny side of the courtyard, enjoying the morning's warmth upon his face, and quietly eats his breakfast in a contented silence. His other servants, completely unnoticed by him in the solitary enjoyment he's experiencing, scurry in and out of the house, new courses, refillings of his platter, etc., after perhaps three-quarters of an hour of this, he returns inside. His bath is already drawn and temperature-tested for his morning soak. This will require the next, let's call it, 30 minutes or so. He is usually aiming to commence his work, so he calls it, uh, by the third hour. Sometimes he even succeeds at this desired timing. Today, however, is different even before the end of bath time. A servant enters, bowing his head properly obeisantly. My lord, he whispers, so as not to startle the closed-eyed master. The master opens his eyes, looks up, with the exact look you'd expect. Yes? The teacher, Jesus, my lord, the servant says. He, he, he is said to be in the vicinity but preparing to move onward. The master sits up straight in his bath. Where? How soon? I, I know nothing else, my lord, only that, the servant says. Well, now, the master is out of his bath and into his best Egyptian wrap, uh, no time for drip-drying as usual, and he is being dressed by a team of servants in the closet off from his rooms. It takes... Three changes to get the right outfit chosen. He, he must look reasonably classy without overdoing the outwardnesses of his class. You and I might call this construct his caste. Finally, he is ready. The, the right balance of look and feel has been cleverly achieved. He begins striding out of his rooms toward the foyer and front door, his usual entourage of servants entraining themselves behind him. Suddenly, he thinks better of this. I will go to him alone, he announces, somewhat grandly. A murmur of approval ripples forward toward him from his servants. He even goes so far as to open the handle of the front door for himself. Well, not terribly far away from there, and it will be easy to relate his own morning routine far more quickly, was Jesus. He had arisen, naturally, long before dawn, 
gotten himself dressed, taken a walk with his father, shared a simple breakfast with his friends, and now was preparing to move on. He was setting his sights upon a return unto Jerusalem. As he began to take the road again, a man, a man we may have already met, came running up and fell at his feet and asked him, Good master, what must I do to be sure of eternal life? I wonder why you call me good, returned Jesus. No one is good, only God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Master, the man still on his knees before him replied, I have kept carefully all these since I was quite young. Jesus looked steadily at him, and his heart warmed towards him. Then he said, There is one thing you still want. Go and sell everything you have. Uh, Give the money away to the poor. You will have riches in heaven. And then come back and follow me. At these words, the man's face fell, and he went away in deep distress, for he was very rich. Then Jesus looked around at them all and said to his disciples, How difficult it is for those who have great possessions to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were staggered at these words, but Jesus continued, Children, you don't know how hard it can be to get into the kingdom of heaven. Why, a camel could more easily squeeze through the eye of a needle than a rich man get into the kingdom of God. At this, their astonishment knew no bounds, and they said to each other, Then who can possibly be saved? Jesus looked straight at them and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter burst out, But look, we have left everything and followed you. I promise you, returned Jesus, nobody leaves home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and the gospels without getting back a hundred times over, now in this present life, homes and brothers and sisters, mothers and children and land, though not without persecution, and in the next world, eternal life. But many who are first now will then be last, and the last now will then be first. And with that, he began walking toward Jerusalem, with or without his disciples' accompaniment. Nearly five decades passed from that day. And now let us consider another scene. An old man turns his head upon his silken pillow, His eyelashes flutter, struggling to open, to come to. A maidservant rushes to the other room to retrieve his wife and children and grandchildren. She finds them 
squared to each other, afoot in the midst of a, a heated argument. You see, the wording of the will is such that each side, every son and daughter and all their growing and grown progeny is certain that they alone, their wing of the family is the sole heir of the whole estate. Briefs have been written, claims and counterclaims have ensued. And now here they stand, moments before their father's death, engaged in a pitched battle. The maidservant, by her sudden presence, attempts to gain their attention. He's only just opened his eyes, she says meekly. A hush descends over the group, like a pall. They are ashamed suddenly to catch each other's eye in the great room. Silently, they follow the maidservant down the inner hallway toward the cool, darkened bedroom where their father has been finishing out his days. Surprisingly, his eyes are now wide open. His head is turned. He has been regarding the door, waiting for them to appear. All the sons and daughters, all the children and grandchildren, even the newest, a great-granddaughter, circle around the bed and wait for the old man to speak. His voice has almost disappeared over these last few weeks. He clears his throat feebly. Of what have you just been speaking? He asks. Oh, of nothing, says the eldest son. Yes, of nothing, father, says the next. The father regards them all. Slowly, he turns his head side to side, looking. Where is your mother? He asks. No one is quite sure. Well, the old man says slowly, uncertainly, when I am gone and you read my final words, too many I thought to be spoken aloud now or before now, ask your mother to explain it all to you. The whole group leans closer over the bed. But tell us, Father, tell us what you mean us to know, one says. The old man has closed his eyes. His breaths are beginning to come very slowly now. In less than ten minutes, the death rattle will commence. He whispers, Only this. I should have gone with him when he asked.